Hi, welcome to Rivers and Ravines. Today's episode is called Searching for Something. Today, we will go down to the ravine as I share how one major event in my life led to seven years of me searching for something. This one major event will kind of set the tone and the trajectory for what this entire podcast will be through the stories that I'll be sharing. So in 2011, I was a junior in high school and suddenly I just really began to get more in tune with like how my hair looked, the styles, doing my nails, my appearance, clothes, and all of those things. I never really cared about those things before then, but my junior year was a little different. You know, I wanted to hang out with the cool kids. I wanted to be, you know, popular, you know, I fed into those things. And so I really started to take a deeper look at overall how I carried myself like very meticulous. And so that really did what I wanted it to do. And I started hanging with the cool kids. Well, with that (laughs) came some things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But long story short, I had basically got arrested. I got arrested my junior year in high school in May, the year was pretty much over. We might've had like two or three weeks left of class. Long enough for them to torture me my last three weeks of school because I got arrested, had a mugshot, plastered everywhere and the whole school shipped it. You know, it was just horrible. It was horrible. I was really annoyed and angry that I had got arrested because the people I was doing, what I wasn't supposed to be doing, they did this all the time and none of them ever got caught. So I honestly thought I was gonna get away with it too. I had got arrested for stealing out of the store because I thought I could get away with it. Now, this arrest had really shocked my family, my friends, and all the people that knew me because for the most part, I wasn't like terrible in school. I was a clown. I was very funny, but I was never really like, wow, crazy. Oh my gosh, this girl is always giving trouble. I was never like that, but I've played a couple of tricks in my day. It was high school. I thoroughly enjoyed it outside of this event. So it was just really shocking to my family when they found out that I had got arrested and when they found out what I got arrested for, which was petty theft, something like that. And it was shocking because I was born and raised in a small town in Southern Louisiana, Brobridge, Louisiana, to be exact. Louisiana is a very religious state. It is dominated by Catholicism and Christianity. I fell on the Christian side of the spectrum Basically, just going to church twice on Sundays, going to church during the week, going to conferences, having children's church, being in place, like all of this stuff. And here I am doing something completely opposite to how my parents have raised me. So it shocked them all. Um, And I was really embarrassed by it because it made me take a deeper look into myself. Like, this is what happens when you be trying to hang around with people, you know, and trying to fit in a world that you're just clearly not meant to fit in. So that happened. Nonetheless, I don't want to answer my phone. They didn't put me in a jealous or anything. I wasn't in handcuffs. They just put me sitting in a chair. They sat me in an office and I was like, so why would you take my mugshot if you wouldn't even do me anything? Why would you take my mugshot just to release me? And so that's part of the reason why I was angry. But you know what? I did it. The Lord disciplines those he loves. It took me many years to accept that scripture. So my parents, they're blowing up my phone. Mind you, I still have my cell phone. I still have my cell phone. That's why I didn't understand why they took the mugshot of me if they was just going to let me have access to all my stuff. I thought it was a sheer embarrassment. 
but they let me have my cell phone and my mom is blowing up my phone. My sister's blowing up my phone and they're like, Marina, it's everywhere. You know, my mom's texting me like, Marina, this is your mother. Answer your phone. So, I mean, just embarrassing. They pull up to the jailhouse and they come get me and I am embarrassed. I don't even speak. My mom was actually, I thought she was going to be really upset, but my mom was like, you know, Marina, let me tell you about the time I got arrested. And I'm like, what? You got arrested before? My whole life is a lie. And so share that story with me. And at that point, I realized that, you know, people make mistakes. My dad, however, my dad was pissed. Oh, he was so upset. And I don't even think that him being upset was what hurted me. He was disappointed. And as a daughter, having your dad or a parent disappointed in you, it's probably the worst thing because it's just like, it's worse than being like angry. You're disappointed in me. Ugh. And so my dad was really disappointed in me for getting arrested. Right. So summer uh, 2011, school is over. And I decide I'm a ghost. I, I'm sick of Louisiana because I'm afraid to get out the car. I don't want to go in public. I just want to stay in my house because I don't want people calling me a thief because I'm not a thief. I made a mistake. And, you know, that's not that's not who I am. And so I go spend the summer with my dad, a month with my dad and a month with my sister in Texas. And me and my dad and my sister, my older sister was already living with him because she was going to go to college out there. And so I just tagged along and we had a good time, but I was still really embarrassed to even show my face in public. I remember we had all wanted to go eat out and I told him, let me eat in the car because I was so embarrassed. And I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to show my face anywhere. So I just stayed in the car and he's like, OK, Marina. And he let me eat in the car because <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to show my face. And so we had spent our time. We had such a good time. I realized where I got like my funny bone from. From my dad, because he was really funny. And then it's time for me to move on to go to my sister's house in Houston. So go to my sister's house in Houston. And I had applied for a job and they were like, hey, yeah, you want to come work for us? And I was like, sure. Went back to Louisiana, went back to Louisiana. I was like, okay, I got a job. So my career isn't stained. You know, I'm like, oh, I can still get a job. You know, my mind was everywhere. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to get a job. I'm never going to be able to get a career. People are going to make, you know, just way off the deep end after I got arrested. And I got this job. I went back home. I started and my dad comes visit me on the job on my second day. And I am just so excited. I'm like, hey, dad. I was like, hey, this is my dad. And, you know, and he's just like so happy, you know, and he's just like ecstatic. Now I am a senior in high school. So I got arrested in May. Now I'm a senior in high school in August of 2011. First week of high school, you know, the dust has settled, the laughter, the picking, the bullying has stopped. And I got arrested, you know, and so I'm excited for the senior year. Being from a small town, the small events really matter. So like homecoming, prom, ring ceremony, all those things were really big in my school. And so my first week, I found that I only had to take two classes, then I could go home. And it was really exciting. Me and one of my friends had the same schedule. So her dad would pick us up from school and drive me to my house. And it was just such a great feeling of a fresh start that I really enjoyed. Well, on my second week in my senior year in high school, my dad dies in a car accident. And this is the major event. Not me getting arrested is when my dad died because. At this point, I am still wrestling with, I must be the most 
terrible daughter in the world. I'm struggling to do always looking for the next challenge or always looking for the next big thing to do to wondering if my dad is proud of me because my mom, she comforted me. My dad was very disappointed. (laughs) And you know how they all often say moms will coddle you. Dads will tell you the truth. And so my dad was disappointed. And so when he died, I still had that disappointment, that initial disappointment that he shared with me. And so when he died, literally it set off a frenzy of me trying to do everything I can, accomplish everything I can, always looking for the next best thing in my career, a path, my journey to make him proud. So this is essentially where my story starts. So that year I was actually supposed to go to college in Texas. I was supposed to go to college in Texas. My family knew that I was always going to be the one to leave home. <laughs> my sister had actually went to college in Baton Rouge and my grandmother would get her. They were like, that's too far away from home. I was like, well, why y'all gonna let me go to college in Texas? But y'all wouldn't get my older sister. And they're like, well, Marina, we always knew you would be the one to leave home. So we know we can't stop you. And I'm like, eh. so, you know, I feel like they low key said you always march to the beat of your own drum. So you know what? Go. And I was supposed to go to college in Texas and I, I did not go. I stayed in Louisiana and I just kind of went through the motions and just grief and just wondering and really juggling with that last memory my dad had of me was me being arrested. And that was not a good memory for me. I'm now dealing with anxiety, anxiousness and grief. Prior to the death of my dad into uh, my sophomore year, 2010, me and all my siblings were involved in a bad car accident. Um, they were on the way to pick me up from the game. And my sister's car, I think it flipped like two or three times into one of the massive deep ditches they had in Louisiana. Landing on the car was like flipped upside down. I think my sister broke her leg. And for me, the biggest thing I had was a crack bone under my eye. It was far too dangerous to do the surgery. So hopefully the doctor said, hopefully it heal over time. But I also have slightly in some pictures, not all of them, a little lazy. (laughs) So after so following the death of my dad, I really had very bad anxiety when I sat in a car. Anytime a car would turn like don't try to merge merge in the lane next to me because I'm a sort of the whole car because. Now the thoughts are permeating in my mind. I'm going to die anytime I sit in a car. I was involved in a bad car accident the year before my dad died in a car accident the following year. And so I am just terrified to drive. So I go to my grief counselor and I tell her like, hey, I'm really afraid to sit in a car. I'm always grabbing my seatbelt. I'm closing my eyes. I'm twitching. I'm jumping. I'm flinching. Like, I remember people would not want me to ride with them because they're like, Marina, you're scaring us. And I was like, well, I can't help it. So she begins to teach me these different techniques and tips and tricks of to how to like get a hold of that. So she told, I think the best thing she told me was the rubber band method, a rubber band on my wrist and I would pop it anytime. Like I felt something. So that was to the extent of the anxiety and anxiousness I had after the death of my father. I feel like a failure. My dad died months after I got arrested. So it's just a compilation of very bad feelings and thoughts I had for myself. 
you know, he had watched my sisters graduate from college and he would miss all of those things for me. Um, so it was just really a sad and bad feeling I had. And it didn't help that I got arrested. <laughs> so really for a year and a half after his death, I really lived a mundane life. It was just so mundane. And everything I did was driven by trying to make my now deceased father happy. And that's what the deceiver of the world does. He plays tricks on your mind um, and just really makes you feel complete opposite of what the Bible says. So after just living this mundane life, I'm like, you know what? I need to go ahead and follow the dream that I had and go to college in Texas because that's what I would have done had he still been alive. So I talked to my sister and, you know, I began to get ready to make my exit from Louisiana and just go to go to college and follow my dream. So at this point, I graduate from high school in 2012 and I'm just ready to go to Texas. My excitement for life is starting to come back and that, you know what, I'm actually going to go to college now and just really pursue the thing I've always wanted to do. Well, in two, uh, 2012, my mom gets diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. And I'm like, well, I'm not leaving anymore. So um, she tells us, you know, of course, it's heartbreaking because we just lost a parent in less than six months. This thing has now is happening to my mom. So I am crushed once again. And she FaceTimes me at my job and tells me everything. And I was like, you know, I know I'm getting ready to move to Texas, but I will stay. I will stay and take care of you, whatever you need. I'm, I'm just going to stay here so I can take care of you. And so I can be close to family. And she's like, no, Marina, you need to go to Texas. And I think her and my family just kind of knew. I don't know why I'm, I'm from a small country town. But for some reason, I have always loved the city life. I don't know. Uh, I, I have no clue why that is. But she tells me, no, Marina, I want you to still go to college in Texas. And I wrestle a little bit. I delay um, my time to go to Texas. But eventually I go. Eventually I go to Texas with my sister and the mundane feeling still there. <laughs> it's just baffling because I'm like, so what what am I missing? You know, so now I moved to Texas and I'm like, OK, I'm finally in the big city. My job, I was working for Marriott at the time. Marriott just transferred me to a different location. I tried, I enrolled in college, but when I got there, they were like, oh, you haven't been living in Texas for six months. You're not a resident. So my tuition would have been double and we were paying for my tuition out of pocket. And there was no way I could afford those classes. My mom, especially with this new diagnosis. So I opted to sit out of college for six months. So when I say just the back and forth, the swing and just feeling like, geez, nothing is working out how I planned. And on top of that, I am still grieving. I'm still grieving. So now that I'm living in Texas and I'm not able to attend college because it's unaffordable and I'm not a resident, I begin to throw myself into work beyond full-time hours. I begin to train on every position possible. And I also begin to cross-train at different hotels just so that I could try to fill the void I was filling because I felt hopeless. I still was grieving and I just didn't understand like 
I was in Texas, but I was not doing what I had went to Texas for. And that was to attend college and graduate. So all the emotions and questions that came with that, I battled. So now I I set out to do everything that I could to try to fill the void. And that worked for a while, but eventually it wasn't enough. And then I also found a good church uh, that I enjoyed. That church just so happened to be starting up a, um, a grief group. There was a grief counselor and a therapist. I believe they were like on their final hours to get licensed or something like that. And they were very, very helpful in the process because this is where I struggled the most in my journey of, of grief after losing my father. I went to Texas and I just didn't understand what I was doing there or what my purpose in life was far. I mean, I'm in this new state. I'm not going to school. So what am I doing with my life? And it just added to the questions that I had about my life and the disappointment that I associated with my dad being disappointed in me even more. Like when my dad died, he was disappointed. I felt like I was disappointing him even more because I wasn't in college. And so it really did a number on me for so many years because I began to search these things, positions, accolades, volunteering anywhere to try to fill that void. And the void was ultimately to try to make my dad happy and he wasn't even alive. So, yeah. And that's where my journey begins. So stay tuned for next week as we dive into the one thought of me deciding to join the military and how it completely changed the course of my life. 